0: Welcome in, it's the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. The Fan Checkdown is presented by ProLine Plus, the only sportsbook where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here, and don't you forget it, around, in about half an hour, the legend himself, Mr. James Brown... NFL Today host on CBS will join us. And we've got lots to talk about. Donovan, I don't know if you saw the um, the sizzle reel from the NFL on CBS today on Twitter. Um, but the stuff that they are introducing, uh, this Super Bowl looks like it's going to be like a video game. It's pretty incredible.
1: Well, we heard from Jim Nance earlier in the year that they had a scheduled game in Las Vegas just as a trial run yep. to see what different things could they institute, what would the stadium be able to do given its capacity and, quite frankly, the opportunity because how new it was, a couple of things. One, if you haven't listened to that episode of The Checkdown, if you're listening via radio on the Sportsnet Radio Network right now or via podcast, either way, thank you. But go back in the feed via the podcast, and while you're there, subscribe. And while you're there, give us five stars. But more importantly, go back to that episode with Nance because that will give a real great preview of what you're going to see a week from Sunday. As you mentioned, CBS does the broadcast and James Brown obviously quarterbacking. It pregame, halftime and post, and Jim Nance giving us the call.
0: It uh, it It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's actually also the first ever Nickelodeon Um, Super Bowl broadcast. And they've got a a bunch of different things. We saw the doink cam. So they've got cameras in the field goal posts. Uh, They've got like 20 cameras or 10 cameras or something in the uh, pylon cams. Like, it's pretty intense.
1: You have a young child. What would it take for you to watch the Nickelodeon broadcast? Like, can you get it on a secondary screen? So how much would your child have to beg for you to move off of the beautiful tone of Jim Nance and the enthusiasm of Tony Romo and go, we're going splash when we get a a splash play.
0: So I thought about this. If it would mean that my daughter would sit down for three hours, I would probably have the Nickelodeon broadcast on the TV and have the CBS broadcast like on my computer or whatever, where I can have just the sound just so I can, I can kind of have the best of both worlds here. I would do that. I would sacrifice for that.
1: So, yeah, you've got, you're got going two devices. I'm going to one-up you. I'm going to put the Nickelodeon broadcast on the TV. But I'm just going to tap into a little Sonos app. I'm going to run the audio of the real broadcast over the top to those speakers. Because I still want the prediction of what play is going to come from Tony Romo. I still want the situational football conversation. I I don't know, Jim. Well, they, they're probably coming what do you do here, Jim? I, I, I need that. I need the rules expert to come in. I need to know if he can make this kick against the wind. How is he kicking in pregame? Those are the things I need. But
0: we but, need a little, a little Gene Sterator action. We need a little Jay Feely. And then we got the gymnasts, Tony. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. By the way, speaking of the Super Bowl, this has nothing to do with the Super Bowl. Actually, it just has to do with somebody that's playing in the Super Bowl. There is a New York Post article. That is out. I don't know if it has made its way to your timeline, but it's it made its way to mine. It has not. And it and the headline is the Travis. Kel- this is on X, Twitter, whatever. The Travis Kelsey haircut is taking barbershops by storm. They think they'll get a new girlfriend. Now, Donovan, I know you are a very stylish guy. I have never been accused of such a thing, but I had that haircut when I was seventeen years old. It's a fade. It's a fade, man. Like what, what are we doing here? Are people this this stupid?
1: Listen, unless the haircut <laughs> is going to help you, when you're running a fade, go back shoulder at the same time as the quarterback, catch a touchdown against All-Pro safety Cal Hamilton. I, I don't know if it's worth the, the 40 or 60, or if you live in Toronto, 80 dollars uh, that that haircut costs.
0: Yeah, no, that, it's ridiculous. I don't know what you pay for a haircut, but I found someone where I get my haircut for twenty five dollars, and it's great, and I don't have to travel very far. And yeah, no, hair you don't. Are you
1: don't want to know how much I pay for a haircut and how often I get a haircut. But I feel like it's okay. A how about investment.
0: okay? I don't. I, I won't ask how much you pay for. I mean, a you haircut can ask. Cut, I don't cause have cause an
1: issue with it. My wife does, but you, you can ask. Feel free.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to ask how much it costs to cut her hair. Um. How often do you go get your haircut? I go every, get, every two weeks for sure.
1: It, two weeks max, maybe it, max may, max wow. two weeks. Wow, maybe you are, I'd say we probably average at ten days. There there will be some high frequency times. This being one of them, where we're in and out of there once a week.
0: I I just went a streak of about six and a half weeks without getting a haircut. And I was desperately in need of one. I just could not find the time to do it. And now as you've seen, it's an entirely different haircut that requires a lot less maintenance. Not as I feel like yours doesn't require a lot of maintenance either. um, But this one definitely uh, requires less maintenance okay we have talked a lot about haircuts and we don't need to talk about haircuts anymore um but what we do need to talk about is mike mcdonald lands the seattle job he becomes the youngest coach in the nfl at 36 so that tells me i've got less than a year to become an nfl head coach to become the youngest head coach in the NFL. So it's obviously not going to happen. But when you look at the Seattle team, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. You look at some of the pieces on that defense, which is what he's going to be taking over uh, Devin Witherspoon, Jordan Brooks, Leonard Williams, and then the offense with uh, DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. Like it's a pretty intriguing group where they land on the quarterback thing with Geno Smith. I don't know. Um, I'm assuming you were not really surprised by this, especially based on something that you had brought up. And I, I saw a lot, other, a lot of other people afterwards talk about it. So I'll give you credit first um, credit. Huh, that's something a lot of people have a hard time giving in places. Um, you talked about going up against Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan in that division and how important it is to have someone that knows what they're doing to stop those guys. Um you think that was a, a big factor in this hire here by the Seahawks?
1: I think a couple of things. I think, one, some of the rumored candidates took themselves off the board uh, or were hired elsewhere. Two, to your point, you're going to see McVeigh. Oh, oh, hold and- on.
0: Before you, before you continue that, we have breaking news. Oh, boy. Dan Quinn, according to Adam Schefter, will be named the next coach of the Washington Commander. So we'll get into that after. So finish your thought on Mike McDaniel. I just wanted to make sure we got that.
1: Well, and I think the other thought is th- they play the Rams and the Niners four times a year. So yeah. it's a little less than a quarter of your schedule against those offenses. The, the best defense against those offenses has been McDonald's defenses while well. he's been a coordinator outside of one game where – you know, Matt Stafford essentially went off uh, against Baltimore. And then, two, like they've invested a lot on defense. Their identity for a long time has been defense, but they've played the same way for a long time. The game has changed. It has seemed like that defense isn't as flexible, malleable, adaptable as you'd need it to be in this current football format. And let's take the first two drives of the AFC Championship game out of the equation. The defense that we most described as being one that can do all things whenever necessary would be that Ravens defense. And I think in a big way, that's why he's the higher there. A a defense that wasn't very flexible, was high at times and low at times, is Dan Quinn's defense. And as you mentioned, now he goes over... To the Washington Commanders. The c- Commanders started their search first and they ended it last. They were like me at a, <laughs> a go-kart track. They just getting lapped by people. Um, and, and they did this all to,
2: to end the search on committee.
1: Dan, well, with the search committee, but they, they ended up landing on Dan Quinn, someone who they could have had last year. Could have had yeah. when they hired Ron Rivera the first time. Uh, it, it's... Uh, it, 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 they maybe strengthen by making the rivals weaker, but I, I, I think too often we don't give failed coaches a second opportunity. I think Steve Spagnola is a great example of that. I'd love to get into that with our, our guest at the bottom of the hour, James Brown, something you've been harping on for quite some time. I, I do like Dan Quinn getting a second chance, just don't know, other than like he's a good vibes guy what the exact fit is in Washington. Like, I ask you, you are a beat writer in Washington. You're writing the story right now. And, you know, you got the information at the top, the to lead, this, you know, the story arc of your story, the problem that Dan Quinn solves is what? Like, what What is he addressing that that group needs? Other than not being Ron Rivera. But
0: that well, would have been true for it. any candidate. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like, that's it. Like I mean he doesn't have the same talent that he had on defense personnel-wise as he had in Dallas. Um I mean it depends what they do at quarterback. I really thought that they were just going to go younger. Like I'm I'm actually kind of perplexed by this hire and I start to wonder if if Ben Johnson was the preferred candidate here. I'll t- I'll tell you who the big winners are in this. Um the big winners for me are you know, the, the Detroit lions because they keep their entire staff intact. Ben Johnson stays, Aaron Glenn doesn't get a head coaching job. Um, So for me, I think they're big winners in this and, you know, a team that Washington in theory would try to be competing with for, you know, a playoff spot. I still think that Detroit is the best team in that division, even going into next year, even with the resurgence of the Packers, but, I don't see I don't see where there is a win here. Like, is Dan Campbell gonna turn this awful defense into something that's good? Like this was not entirely an issue of scheme. A lot of it was talent. They they don't have a lot of it on defense and they traded away Montez Sweat. To the Chicago Bears. Like, this is a rebuilding organization right now. We don't know what they're doing at quarterback. We think they're going to draft one. Um, it's a very important draft for them. Like, Chase Young's not there. Montez Sweat's not there. So, you just lost two big pieces off of your defensive line. If I'm writing the headline, my thing is Dan Quinn and why. Like, that's that's what the headline is for me.
1: Um, well, you want to know who the biggest losers are? Mike Frabel, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. They were shut out. We've got to the point where, like, at this point, we're just grasping at straws who is going to get these last couple of jobs. And it's not as if all of the hot shot candidates who've been real great coordinators over the last couple of years and they're constantly mentioned in football broadcast as being the next brilliant head coach. It's not like many of them came off the board. You mentioned Ben Johnson, still coordinator, Bobby Slowick, still a coordinator. Lou Anarumu, still a coordinator. Um, you know, Drew everell still a coordinator. Eric Biennemi, Steve Spagnuolo, like, didn't even get interviewed. We don't even know if
0: Eric Biennemi's going to have a job with the team he was just with.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, they, they don't have a, a quarterback whisperer. So that's another big question as to why Dan Quinn, because the big question for most organizations when they suck, but specifically this one is, what are you doing at quarterback? Ultimately, like, they let, let's go back in their history in terms of the quarterback position. They traded for the end of Donovan McNabb's career. They mm-hmm. draft drafted RG3. two quarterbacks
0: in the, in the same draft. Correct, in
1: which, the same which, draft. which was a soap opera in <laughs> itself because one had direct relationship with the owner. The other is the one that the coaches want to play, and it's still a drama that's playing out because – RG3 and Jay Gruden are fighting on X, which, I mean, who right now isn't fighting on X? They had Alex Smith, who was serviceable until he had a terrible injury, which is just, I suppose, bad luck. We thought Howell was going to be the guy. They couldn't tell us enough. Howell was going to be the guy, and they couldn't keep him upright. Now, moving forward, is Howell the guy, especially when you've got a high pick in a quarterback-rich Draft. So solving this question in terms of who the quarterback is going to be is the biggest question. Uh, Packers fans are looking at the Washington Commanders and laughing because they never go to sleep at night worrying about their quarterback. And who's the last great quarterback Washington's had? Oh, boy. The closest would be Kirk cousins who they yeah. liked, but didn't love and just franchise tagged to death until he could leave. And then he made even more money when he left. Like they kind of fumbled the bag in that scenario as well.
0: Um, I, I wanted to just circle back on Mike McDonald just for a second, because he's, you know, they these are guys on two opposite ends of the spectrum here. Dan Quinn has coached. He's he, he coached for a while. Uh, Mike McDonald has been, you know, a defensive coordinator in the NFL for two seasons. Um, How imperative is it for you, for a guy who is now the youngest head coach in the NFL right now at 36 to hire an assistant coach or a coordinator who is also the assistant coach And it has to be someone with head coaching experience to help them along in this process. Because, you know, as somebody pointed out, like you go from being a coordinator where you have, you know, this many jobs that you have to do. Then when you become a head coach, you have, it multiplies by 10 of all the jobs that you have to do. How important is it for you to bring on a guy with experience? You know, like, you know, we've seen Leslie Frazier do in the past, Jim Caldwell is a guy that has done it as well, just to name a couple. How do you value that if you're if you're a first-year head coach?
1: Invaluable. I think we we look at the Super Bowl, for example, I think we overestimate sometimes the role of a coach relative to the role of coordinators in terms of what actually happens on the field with X and O's. This week Andy Reid is dealing with media. He's dealing with logistics in terms of when do we travel, where do we stay, what's curfew? Are families allowed at the hotel? Not Like, he's doing all of that administrative stuff. I think the coordinators are a much bigger story in terms of what success looks like. Don't believe me? Ask the Philadelphia Eagles what it's like when you lose two good coordinators and how your football team changes. So in this scenario, I think outside of the head coach and the quarterback, I think the most important role that needs to be filled is – Going to be that that voice in, in the quarterback's ear in terms of that coordinator.
0: Um, and now we look at you mentioned the names that didn't get jobs. Bill Belichick doesn't have a job. Pete Carroll doesn't have a job. Mike Vrabel doesn't have a job. To be honest with you, the most surprising name on that list to me is Mike Vrabel, and I, I think and it's and it's an age thing for me because. Mike Vrabel is not old. He's certainly not as old as Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. And I thought that Mike Vrabel was going to jump to the top of a lot of people's lists. I don't know what scared people away. I don't know how much of it was Mike Vrabel maybe saying, you know what? None of these jobs are for me. I'm just going to, you know, quietly pull myself out and wait for an opportunity. Or do you think that that teams were a little bit scared of what happened the last couple of seasons in Tennessee and maybe, you know, the relationships that he's had with members of the front office. Like those are two things that kind of stick out to me and say, I I wonder.
1: It's a great point. And I will go ahead and promote another episode of The Checkdown. Go back and listen to our conversation with Mike Lombardi. And he said, mm-hmm. if you're an executive, one of your first jobs is to keep your job, is to guard your desk. And Let's be clear. In back-to-back seasons, Mike Vrabel has had an issue with his general manager. He won the tug-of-war with the, the first one because he wasn't happy that A.J. Brown was traded, and I can't blame him.
0: Yeah, I think he was right.
1: I think he was right. But uh, when A.J. Brown helped get the Eagles over the top into the Super Bowl, I was like, yeah, I mean, I think, I think he was kind of right. And then secondly now, you know he lost the tug-of-war – with ownership, with Rand Carlson, If you are a GM and you're inviting that scenario, it, it doesn't, to me, seem like an appealing option. The, the thing that I just can't rack my brain around is we're hiring coaches hoping that they're good coaches. Wishing, expecting. We know Mike Vrabel is a good coach. He's been coach of the year. He's had consistent teams. His it's the ceiling hasn't been met yet in terms of what he did with the tight ends. But we know the floor is is you know going to be r- relatively in the middle of the pack. And I don't know if he had a football team like say Harbaugh and the Ravens this year where we said, man, he should have got more out of that group. They had the talent. They should have won it all. Like we never said that about. Uh, the Titans and listen if if Mahomes doesn't score twenty eight unanswered, you know maybe that that Tannehill Henry Titans team makes it to the Super Bowl. So I I've, I'm so surprised he's not out there and the hot seat is going to start from week one next year because of the names that are still available. It is real real interesting in terms of. Um, where we go with this offseason, I, I can't again believe that Steve Spagnol isn't getting a look. He is going to be potentially the first coordinator to ever win four Super Bowls as a coordinator. Won two with the Giants, potentially could win two with the Chiefs. There's been a couple who've won three. Basically, they've essentially been. Patriots coordinators, Charlie Weiss, uh, Josh McDaniels, Romeo Cornell. If Steve Spagnuolo wins four, and, and think about the, the teams that he's beaten, the quarterbacks that he's beaten, I would bang the table and say, forget about the fact that you know he had a less than 30% winning percentage as a head coach. Like just remove that from your mind right now. He should be the first coordinator to go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Because I, he's done it different styles, different ways, in different eras on different teams. And I think the Chiefs' success this year specifically, this is his masterpiece, has everything to do with his genius with still a very young defense.
0: And, and we mentioned it, uh, I guess it was, was it yesterday? I can't remember. All the days melt together. But it's a defense that doesn't really have, outside of Chris Jones, doesn't really have that star power, right? It's got a lot of really good players that you should know about, but it doesn't have like, if I, if you were to tell, if you were to compare the star power on the chargers defense and the chiefs defense, I would make the argument that the star power and the names are bigger on the chargers defense and they couldn't stop a nosebleed all season. And that speaks to the deficiencies of Brandon's daily and how good Steve Spagnuolo is um, the fact that he was not even part of this hiring cycle. is super interesting to me. Um, speaking of hiring. So maybe a little bit of a surprise here, but the Packers hired Jeff Halfley to be their defensive coordinator. And Jeff Halfley comes from Boston college. He was there for four years. Um, not a ton of success in terms of, you know, the Boston college was never going to be a powerhouse, but I, um, Very interesting hire, Um, another guy that leaves college to go to the NFL, but very curious to see um, how this goes. Er What I've been reading is that Jeff Halfley basically said, like, the college game is not for me anymore. I want to go to a place where football is still football and don't have to deal with all the other stuff that goes along with it i mean i I don't I, i don't pretend to know a lot about jeff halfley or the success or lack of success that he's had at boston college boston college's defense was generally decent but it didn't result in a lot of wins and a lot of success so i'm curious to see how that one turns out um on Washington, and we only got a couple minutes before we got to take a break, but when you look at the 2013 Washington coaching staff under Mike Shanahan, wow. my, my pal Brendan Deeg brought this up on, his, uh, on the Double Doink podcast. Under Mike Shanahan, here we go. Kyle Shanahan, offensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur, QB coach. Mike McDaniel, wide receivers coach. Sean McVay, tight ends coach. Raheem Morris, DB's coach. Bobby Slowick, defensive assistant. They literally had, what, six head coaches and one future head coach in their building. And they have not been able to, they were not able to bring anyone back. They were not able to keep anyone around. And you look at the success that those guys are having and just the fact that they got head coaching jobs when you look back on that staff, especially the offensive side of the ball with Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay, like that Mike Shanahan coaching tree is very, very impressive.
1: Listen, weren't able to keep anyone back. They they ran that group out of the building. Like, yeah. They couldn't get them out there fast enough. By the end, everyone knew that they were leaving. Actually, the only holdover was McVay, who had a relationship uh, with the Gruden family. But... Everyone else left and found their footing and obviously has had great success. Two questions is uh, imagine if they did keep that group together and give them a bit more time. That's one. And two, how bad do you feel if you were the other members of that staff who just went on to do nothing? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I was thinking about that too I was like oh there's got to be more guys on this staff that got jobs elsewhere and it turns out that that uh, they didn't but well, uh, it's, it's a very still early
1: because these guys are still so young
0: I know I know well, the, uh, a bunch of them are not even they're not 44 yet or, or whatever like you know Sean McBay isn't 40 yet I don't think Mike McDaniel is either
1: this is very much like Belichick's first staff in Cleveland that had Ozzie Newsom on it, that had Nick yeah. Saban on it, that had Kirk Ferentz on it. Um, it, it. Those guys got opportunities when they were older, but it, these guys got opportunities still, again, so, so young. Um, and, yeah, now they're literally taking over the league.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very, very impressive. Uh, we got to hit a break. When we come back, the legend himself, James Brown, host of NFL Today on CBS, the Super Bowl broadcaster. And we've got lots to talk about with JB when we come back. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett. This is the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Everything Raptors, before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. Uh, we're waiting to connect with James Brown. JB, as he likes to be referred. Uh, so hopefully we can connect with him. I know he's it's funny that we talked about haircuts. I know he was getting a haircut. So he may be busy getting a haircut.
1: We need to ask him about this. What did you say to your barber? What is the go-to? I need the JB. I need the JP, <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> I Can I get me a Travis Kelsey? Can I get me one of those?
1: And we are, you know, over a week away from Super Bowl Sunday. How close to the game? Like, this is an interesting choice, getting it done not week of. Is there some travel involved? I I need to know his rationale.
0: Yeah, we gotta. Hopefully, we can connect with him. We can ask him that question, the hard hitting stuff. That's right. With JB, like, how do you plan your haircuts? Um, Here's a story that actually. uh, Yeah, let's do this first, and then we'll we'll kind of go from there. So Robert Sala reportedly threatened to take coaches' phones away to determine who the leak in the building was. To this, Donovan Bennett says, "What? If it's one
1: of those things, you know." You're in a relationship, and if you need to check your spouse's phone, it's a problem. It doesn't matter what you find or don't find. The fact that you have that urge lets you know there isn't trust. Now, I am less than a decade in, in terms of of marriage, and really having any mature relationships. Uh, Our our, our next guest would be much better to educate us uh, on this topic, and that would be... James Brown. First of all, like, like JB, I have two really important relationships. Uh, obviously, my family, and then with my barber, right? That is a key relationship that everyone must have. So I, I, I need to know because you are more than a week out from Super Bowl Sunday. But I, and someone like you, you're probably filming before then, so it is a very strategic choice to get clean now. I need to know uh, what is said, or at this point, is anything said when you set. Uh, foot into the barbershop and sit down in the chair what do you ask for how are the edges done and I also need to know is it it the same for you as it is for people who go to black barbershops all over the world where you hear the clippers click and the cutting stops and the talking begins and you're like oh lord Jesus I need to get out of (laughs) here do you have that same experience as well
2: Hey, first of all, you two are cracking me up. This is going to be an excellent segment. I've been laughing the whole time. How I said Pat, Pat, Pat Pat Sutton is my barber. And I said, "Pat, how did he segue from talking about marriage and longevity and success in marriage to football? And you did that so delicately, so artfully." With respect. Now, I hope the same conversations happen in white barbershops as well, because the last time I checked and I haven't been to one, but all kinds of serious issues are discussed in barbershops. And we are no different in that regard. Dissecting, deconstructing everything that is taking place so that we can leave out of here with a better mental and emotional and spiritual framework as well with respect to the haircut that no wait wait, wait that's that's all true jb haircut.
1: that's all true but the difference is that okay. they have a better respect of people's time uh you can book an appointment you're no in, you're no out. no hold on we, we have hold long on. conversations we stay there ahead, all day donovan. i want to hear donovan
2: on this one go ahead we
1: stay there all day we we, we we it's a second home so if you are a busy person like you and you got to get in and you got out it it, it it it's tougher to be efficient Uh, We don't necessarily, you know, our, our, our respect of time can sometimes be a challenge.
0: Okay. Okay. JB, as an Italian with the last name, Marchese, Okay. I've been into the barbershops where there are Italians and the old Italian men, they do not have any respect for your time because they were the construction workers and they've done their time. They're like, Oh no, we need to talk about this, especially in the city that we reside in. If you start talking about hockey with them, forget it. You will never get out of there, even if you tried. Like, you'd have to get arrested to get out of there.
2: <laughs> Donovan, I love that. Well, let me spin this for you forward and tell you how Pat Sutton, P. Sutton, if you will, how he operates. Because he knows, first of all, he is so widely respected. His clientele is diverse and deep. However, he's got some of the greatest comedians who are not on television coming through the barbershop, so he strategically arranges his uh, schedule. He will not have more than two of them, maybe even just one at a time, because he realizes he'll never get any work done. So he strategically arranges the schedule accordingly. I'm incredibly thankful because he does work me in and around because during the NFL season, unfortunately, I can't have a specific schedule. Things happen, and it's a very fluid one. So he'll have me, JB, be here early, be here on time, or I'll work you in. And you know what? Because he's good. And at this age, with your hair starting to stem, recede and everything else, you just can't have everybody cutting your hair. So I'm beholden to him. And when he says, be here at such and such a time, that's when I'm here. That see, makes sense.
1: See, JB, this is Donovan. And that's why a barber is like uh, a marriage. Because when you find a good one, you don't let them go. You, you treat them right because they're, right. they are precious. And so that, that you have found yourself a, a good one, clearly.
2: Donovan, absolutely. The only thing I have to do better is to take him on a road with me. Now, you guys will <laughs> get a kick out of this. Hey, you know what? We have various grades of hair, so he sells the nice skull caps or whatever, whichever one works for me, to make certain that that do is proper on. Because it's amazing how one can sit up there in the chair talking about at a Super Bowl those things that most of America want to hear about. And folks are commenting about whether or not your hair is in place, is the hairline proper, is it receding, is the part cut properly. So I just trust him and he's got me covered so I can focus on the main thing. All
0: those amateur barbers that are out there that have an opinion on everything. Uh, what a surprise! So, so you're leaving for Vegas. Uh, you're well. You're going to be in Vegas early next week. Um, if I had told you ten years ago that Las Vegas would be hosting a Super
2: Bowl, your answer would have been what? No way. Simple as that. No way. But isn't this a different time and space and place where we are in now? Because we're sports for the most part, have tried like the plague to keep away from gambling, if you will. Aren't we talking the gambling capital of the world there? Yeah. Uh, but we also see what's happening now with the, uh, the betting opportunities that are out there uh, that are supporting sports, if you will. So it's different. But, but, but Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. I'm extremely thankful and humbled because a number of years ago I was incredibly blessed to be hosting championship boxing for HBO, so for about a good ten-year run, I was out there in Vegas. Heavens, I was actually sitting up on scaffolding uh, outdoors at the Caesar's Palace, where it would go from maybe hot during the day in the desert to cold at night. Um, you know, hosting those championship boxing matches, and it was—they know how to do big events, and I'm expecting nothing less than excellence. With this, as well, too, this ought to really be a thrill
1: what was a thrill for me was to see you know not only the promo reel that Matt tweeted out earlier of, of everything that you guys have going on for Super Bowl, but my favorite shot is the shot of the crew in front of the fountain blue uh, in front of the fountains of Bellagio coming up you guys walking out. Know, looking like movie stars like as if it's Miami Vice or Mission Impossible you know Nate Burleson licking his lips getting his LL Cool J on I, I need to know because as a TV person I know that wasn't quick how many takes did that take and what strings were pulled for you guys to be able to get that shot
2: I wish I knew the strings that were pulled to make that shot happen because we see Jamie Foxx doing that in his commercials uh, with the fountains going up at the Bellagio as well. <clears throat> but whoever it was, and I certainly wish I knew the name because I would love to give that person on-air credit, was just masterful. Um, and also to have that that uh, platform that we were standing on just below the surface of the water to give the impression that we were walking on water and then to time it with the water pumps to shoot up in the air was just masterful. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It did not take many times because the guys are really very seasoned. Uh, And the fact that I've had more people talk about that hat that I'm wearing, (laughs) trying to look cool, excuse the vernacular, ain't nothing cool about me at all. But you know what? I've had more people talk about that. So now I'm going to have to go out and add some type of nice derby to my wardrobe for sure.
0: Well, it's certainly, I mean, listen, you are cool. Don't stop stop that nonsense. You are cool. You're as cool as they come, JB. Um, James Brown, host of NFL today on CBS, joining us here. So when we look at you know the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl history, um, you've you've seen a few, uh, you've been at, at a few. Is there one that kind of stands out? Like we look at this matchup and we say, like, you know, this matchup has all the makings of really being great. And and usually you do kind of get that sense. But is there one that stands out for you that you will remember forever that it, it's, a, it, it's one that is very special in, in your mind?
2: The difference for me, not having been a football player, and I have immense respect. I played basketball, still a, an athlete, so I understand the subtleties and nuances, the psyche, all of that that goes into it in any kind of competition and clearly one at a championship level like this. I get that. But I have such, and but even when I was doing basketball play by play, I have immense respect for those who are from the fraternity, be they coaches or ex players, because they've lived it. Um, My take on it is a little different from the standpoint that I'm more relationship um, uh, focused. And Reggie White, uh, I understand that the documentary is still running on TV right now. For instance, Reggie White, because there have been a number of uh, players and coaches, but I had a great relationship with Reggie White. God bless him. Just a marvelous football player who was, I mean, just unbelievable. And in search of a Super Bowl trophy, having played with one of the all-time great defenses with the Philadelphia Eagles with Jerome Brown and company, he got his Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. That game, and who did they play against? Was that the New England Patriots, I believe, they played against when he won that? Um, That was the one that sticks out in my mind. Yes, a good game. Yes, a competitive game. But I was probably more happy, and I am to be dispassionate as a host, as a commentator, but I was extremely happy for Reggie White because he was in pursuit of that Super Bowl champion, a shipped uh, trophy, and indeed he got it. Mm-hmm. But you know what? One of the others that sticks uppermost in my mind, and maybe they rival each other, is uh, the first Super Bowl held after 9/11 down in New Orleans because of the federal security and law enforcement presence that was there. It was amazing, and the game itself also was extremely good. So that that really sticks out of my mind more from the storylines and those things that were out of the ordinary that occurred for the game for me
1: when you speak of the game uh it, this one is players are going to say it's just a football game it's just another game the size of the field is the same still 10 yards to get a first down but everything that is around it makes preparing for it different i wonder if that's true for you because you have not your normal pregame you have an elongated pregame essentially you're on air almost all day And then you've got a a different halftime because there is a halftime performance this year by Usher. So in terms of the approach, in terms of the execution, and running a marathon, not a a 5K, what will be different for you this week in preparation and execution?
2: Good question. And you know what? The answer is not uh, one that's scintillating or that is out of the park. I think most athletes... Uh, Most executives in the world of business, anybody dealing in high-pressure environments, the approach is the same. My high school coach, Morgan Wooden, Damascus High School, the first high school coach to go into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame solely for what he did at the high school level. Phenomenal! Put a team together that beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was in high school snapping their 71-game win streak. One of the most powerful lessons that is, he taught us is that there's no such thing as new fundamentals. People have itching ears. They want to hear about something to do differently. You know, fundamentals are tried and true. So I try to stick to the pattern. And I think I learned that after the first big event that I did as a broadcaster with CBS as a sideline reporter at the uh, NCAA championship game, um, where Syracuse, gosh, who did Syracuse uh, lose to in that game? That game was played in Kentucky. I ought to know the game. Villanova. Uh, actually, it might have been Georgetown. Villanova as well, too. But Syracuse, when they lost uh, in the championship game the last six seconds. Uh, Indiana, come on. It, it ultimately came back to me. But I remember preparing for the game, big event, and I was thinking about the size of the television audience. I was thinking about the size of the, uh, the, the, the the capacity in the arena, and I had to catch myself to say focus on the main thing because our lead then was Brent Musburger. I had prepared a 45-second report that was germane to the game, and I had rehearsed it, I had internalized it, I was ready for it. And fully two minutes before the game, Brent Musburger being the consummate journalist, newspaper man, if you will, that he was back in the day, He saw something that was relevant to the game that was fresh and it just happened. And he got on the mic and he said, JB, in my ear, he said, this is the story that I'd like for you to report on as we anticipate this big game and gave me a completely different storyline. Now, I could have been flustered at that point, but I remembered what the basics were get the story it's 45 seconds you don't have a lot of time make it succinct add a little sizzle to it if you can in terms of setting it up but get to the point that's what helped me there because i'm i maintain that if you understand like what you guys do if you understand the mechanics of being a good reporter you can report on entertainment politics sports academics It's following the fundamentals and that's what i do because if i think about the fact that our audience may be in a pregame show for the four hours that we're on might be 30, 40, 50 million people as it builds going towards the 100 million of viewer mark for the game itself. It's easy to get sidetracked. I need to stay focused on what my job is, and my job is to make certain that I'm eliciting the best from my colleagues. Each one brings a different skill set and experience base to the table, and I need to know who they are to make them look good Giving rise to that old expression, a rising tide lifts all ships. It's not about me; it's about them, and I better be on point to pull the best from them. Uh, We know you got to run. I wanted to ask you one more question,
0: Uh, and just along those same lines, like when you think about the magnitude of the Super Bowl and just your whole week, just kind of you know leading up to the game, do you ever get to sit back and think like this is pretty incredible what I'm doing here? Like I I know I know it's a job, but it's also you know you're also Excellent at it as well. Do you ever get a chance to just sit back and go, this is huge. Like this is the Super Bowl. And maybe if you've done a couple already, you know, it it doesn't have the same type of feeling. But, you know, you could you could have, like you said, up to 100 million people watching you on TV. And it's less about ego, more just about like it's this is the biggest event on the calendar every year. And you're a part of it.
2: You know what, and wow, you guys have asked great questions. Thank you very much, and that's a legitimate one. But no, because the moment that you get complacent, that begins the precipitous slide down into the abyss. I never take it for granted. If I do that, I need to step out because that's when you can start to slip up and not be on your game. And for the full four hours at CBS and when I was at Fox because the primetime programming wasn't as strong as, say, the uh, major networks, we had a six- or seven-hour pregame show. The point is to stay focused, to be in great shape. John Madden, let me put it this way. John Madden had one of the best expressions. When he would go into a host city to do a football game, he and Pat Summerall, God bless them both, he would make it a point to tell his staff he would take the lead in asking questions to make certain sure that he understood everything that each team was going to do. He wanted to make sure that his play-by-play guy, Pat Summerall, who played the game, had everything that he needed, as well as the producer and director. And the way he would do that, he would turn to look to his guys and he would ask at the end of the sessions with the various players and coaches, is your bucket full? To make sure that you're well prepared because you never know what's going to happen Keep in mind, the game is the thing. You ultimately want the game to be competitive. That's what people are going to remember. But anytime you've got to add some insight, some color, uh, some expertise to it, you better have enough in your bucket that you can reach into to add so as to make it interesting. And look... I don't go around trying to beat people over the head with who I am, but I'm also very mindful that this isn't about me as a man of faith. I try to make sure that I do the job excellently for who I am called to be, and that is to make sure that I know, excuse the vernacular, again, it ain't about me, it's about my colleagues and to pull the best out of them. And I'm very thankful that they trust me in that regard as we go into my 12th Super Bowl in Las Vegas coming up in a little more than, uh, what, eight days, ten days, whatever it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, enjoy well, you, you it. Do, enjoy it. Yeah. You make do, sure you, you stop and, uh, and smell the flowers as, as we yeah. give you your flowers. You, you deserve it. And also make sure when they, they show you the mirror and, and show you the, the, the back of that cut, make sure, you, you make sure it's right before you leave.
2: Don't be in a rush. Make sure it's 100 million now. Make sure it's right. Hey, first of all, I can't wait to talk to you guys again because actually I wanted to explore the marital topic and conversation <laughs> you were having. But as far as my guy Pat Sutton is concerned, that's why I'm here now. And if I have to call him and take a flight out to Vegas beforehand, the dude has got to be right because if I come back up in the barbershop And it isn't, boy, you know I won't hear the last of it. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Listen, JB, you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much. Have a great call uh, next Sunday, the Super Bowl. We will all be watching. We know you're going to be fantastic. And as always, we appreciate you taking a couple minutes for us.
2: Hey, to the both of you guys, thank you very much. And I can't wait to do this again with you.
0: There he goes. James Brown, JB, host of NFL Today on CBS, the Super Bowl broadcaster. Uh, it's time for Bet Slip, brought to you by Proline Plus, the only sportsbook where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. Donovan, uh, the color of Gatorade for the winning coach is the topic du jour today. Odds from highest to lowest here. This is actually surprising. Purple by a very fair margin red or pink they're in the same category yellow green or lime all in the same category blue orange both at the same odds and then clear or water and then none which of those are you picking
1: I'm going clear or water because there there definitely will be there's two buckets there's a Gatorade bucket and a water bucket and maybe if someone picks up the water bucket you, you got a shot you know you're in the conversation
0: well, you should go to Pro Line Plus and place a wager because that has the second lowest odds okay. out of all of those choices. So you should go and do that because you can make yourself a couple of shekels. Um, I'm going to go with uh, orange. It's a good I call. like I like orange. I like orange.
1: Uh, um, the Chiefs have uh, had orange. Uh, their first Super Bowl win was orange. So there you go.
0: That's true. It's a very... The fact that you remember that is remarkable. Uh, that was BetSlip brought to you by ProLine Plus, the only sportsbook where 100% of the profits go back to Ontario. Thanks to everybody who listened to the show today. Thanks today again for James Brown. He was amazing. If you missed it, download the podcast. Thanks to Lance. Thanks to Donovan. Matt Marchese signing off. We'll be back tomorrow with the fan check down. Bye-bye.